Spider-Man struggles to shoot his hot white liquid. This is <laughs> Spider-Man spoilers. This is spoilers. Gross. Yeah, I'm seeing a pattern. Gross, but this is spoilers. So, welcome back. It's your boy, superhero correspondent PK. And we are back for round two of our three-part limited series of the Holy Trilogy, the Raimi <laughs> Spider-Man <laughs> Trilogy. What's up, guys? How you guys doing? Kind of offended that you called this the Holy Trilogy, man. <laughs> I said it last time, so I gotta say it again. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring that back later. Um, like I said, I'm superhero correspondent PK coming back to you. We got... Money Mike, we got Stevie, we got Corey, and we got Pappy. I'm going to let them tell you a little bit about themselves, and then we'll jump into it. Who wants to start? Uh, I'll go first, since you said my name first. Uh, this is Mikey, recording from Goshen, Indiana. And, uh, well, Pat, you got a question for me about Spider-Man or uh, about Spider-Man 2? What's your favorite uh, Spider-Man memory from your childhood? So, or what's your first, your earliest spider Spider-Man memory, Jesus. It's going to be a long pod. Uh, early Spider-Man memory, for sure, is the old cartoon that was like on, I don't know, Disney or Fox or something. Fox. That cartoon is awesome, and it's now on like Disney+. Plus and it's still awesome. Yeah, it's still awesome. Cool. Uh, let's go to Pat. Hey, this is Pappy. Uh, we're coming from Louisville, Colorado, where it just started downpouring uh, rain. Um, you know, this is, I guess, quick side note. This is the first time I've seen Spider-Man 2, so I think that might be an interesting <clears throat> note. Yeah, I know. Uh, but what earliest Spider-Man memory or like favorite childhood Spider-Man memory? I remember the first PlayStation game for Spider-Man. Oh, I think I man. talked about that a little bit on the last one. But, but Stevie, you and I, like, played that together like i think i went to your house we rented it from your blockbuster from the local blockbuster in elkhart it was it was spider-man 2 the video game and it was like grand theft auto but spider-man yeah it was open world and amazing delivering pizzas baby yeah i just like at the time i was just so blown away by like how big like the new york set was and it's just classic like pass and play like you would take for a while i would take for a while and like i was like entertained just watching it so i'll always have a fond memory of of those spider-man playstation games Sweet. Stevie, follow that up. Man, okay. I'll go in the toy realm here. Remember when I was like eight years old, I got like these like uh, these like web cannons you put on your wrist. Oh, yeah. They were like a yes. Christmas present. It's like silly string. <laughs> it was like silly string. And I remember like <laughs> being so disappointed because in my mind, the silly string was endless. But, like, I was shooting it so much. They, it was out in, like, ten minutes. Oh, yeah. And I remember being so bummed that, like, my mom was like, it's Christmas Day. I'm not buying you more silly string. Like, <laughs> but, yeah, I love those cannons. Sweet. And last but not least, the only one to give a no for the original Spider-Man. <gasps> Sorry. Oh. Sorry Hello. This is Corey, also known as Kylo Ren Memes, recording from Simi Valley, California. Um, you know, I also love me some Spider-Man toys and games as a kid. I don't know if you guys remember Sega Genesis. There was a really good Spider-Man game called Maximum Carnage, which was hard as fuck, but really fun. (laughs) You can even beat Venom (laughs) on the later levels. But I had some really sick Spider-Man toys based off that 90s animated Fox kids show that uh, Mikey brought up. I had the six-arm Spider-Man. That was one of my favorites. I had a Green Goblin... I had some cool Spider-Man merch as a kid. You're a webhead. <laughs> I think this is still true, but Spider-Man is the um, the biggest merch seller of any Marvel character, I believe. I believe that. Has to be. Probably, sense. yeah. If you've listened to any of the superhero episodes that I've been on, it's no secret Spider-Man is my guy. He's my favorite superhero. Uh, this movie explains a lot of why he's my favorite superhero, and uh, we're going to talk about it. So let's do it. One thing I like about this movie is that, like, coming off of the big, huge success of Spider-Man 1, uh, the opening of the movie, Sam Raimi could have easily just just made it a, a montage of Peter swinging through the city with his new CGI suit and souped-up CGI and really cool moves and stuff. But instead, we get a true Spider-Man story, a Peter Parker story, and we get to see him try to deliver pizzas 
before he gets fired, which I think was a really cool choice. Uh, what'd you guys think of the opening scene? Well, even, sorry, I want to take a step back real quick. Uh, I hope you bring up the credits I because do- I forgot and I wanted to. <laughs> Dude, these opening credits, like I said, I had never seen this movie before. These opening credits are top tier opening credits, not just of like a superhero movie, of like any movie I've ever seen. And Stevie, I know you're not a big fan of Danny Elfman, but no. the score behind him is just really good, right? This is his best score, right? It's got to be. Yeah. Batman Returns is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I always compare, I know it's gonna, it's like a blanket statement. I always compare Danny Elfman to kind of like carnival circus music. It's really <laughs> hard for me to get into his scores. That's why I get turned off by a lot of Tim Burton movies. Um, but yeah, this score is incredible. And I'm with you, Pat. These opening credits are awesome. One of the best things is the Alex Ross art. Oh, yes. yes. So they got an actual comic book artist to do these art panels, and he's very famous. Um, if you've ever been in a comic shop and you've seen a cover and it really struck you and you said, oh, my God, that's amazing art, it's probably Alex Ross. Um, he's done a lot of stuff. Uh, he's worked on DC and Marvel, actually. Uh, I highly recommend Marvels, by the way, for anyone that's looking for a fully illustrated Alex Ross book. It's beautiful. It's basically a retelling of the first movie, but, yeah, it... It goes from that emotional high. I think, PK, what you were getting at is that, like, yeah, Peter Parker's out there delivering pizzas, and it's Asif Mandi, hot off of... Uh, Airbender! Off <laughs> last Avatar. Airbender, yeah. <laughs> Great to see him again. <laughs> Admiral Zhao. Parker, <Yeah. laughs> you're late, man. Always late, huh? I'm sorry, Mr. Aziz. There was a disturbance. Disturbance. Another disturbance. Always a disturbance with you. Come on! But, yeah, we kind of get this cool line, you know, he... he Peter comes in and says there there was a uh, I think he says there was a disturbance. He's trying to be vague and and he's got this giant order of pizzas that has to be like so many blocks in like seven and a half minutes or something or he's fired. And uh, we get this cool montage of him trying to get pizza somewhere and he shows up just too late and uh, doesn't have to or they don't have to pay for the pizzas because he has this this guarantee. And we get this cool line where the guy goes, you know what? I know promises don't mean anything to you, Peter, but they mean something to me. And it's just like, we know as, as viewers what Peter's been doing and why he's been late. And it's for a good cause, but nobody else knows. And it's, it's kind of hurts to see people treat Peter like shit for, for just being a superhero. What do you guys think? I mean, that's kind of Spider-Man's story throughout the comics and stuff too. And even like the new PS4 game, he's like always underappreciated and he's broke as shit i think he gets evicted from his apartment and stuff it's like he's never has time or money so yeah it's just tough being spider-man because he has so many responsibilities and it's really the whole premise of this movie as well and it i mean we see it unfold more and more as it goes on but i think it's i think this introduces something that is maybe was lacking in the last movie yeah you know this question of peter like what happens to your real life and like your wants and your needs when you decide to dedicate your life to fighting crime? Yeah, like Spider Man didn't get the shit beat out of him in this, in this movie. Peter Parker got the shit beat out of him in this movie. <laughs> and like like Mikey said, that that's kind of a theme throughout the whole comic line and just the character in general. And, and that kind of gets into where like that's why I love Spider Man because no matter what happens to him and and all this shit that goes on in his life, he's still decides to be the hero and do the right thing and i, I, I think it's something we'll come back to a lot but like the uh, the first spider-man had a, a decent amount of cameos that we talked about but this one has like a ton of cameos and famous people <laughs> yep. like i think the woman who denies paying for the pizzas because he's like five minutes late that's bones right it's like zoe deschanel's yeah. sister uh, never remember her sister name. Bones. Bones. That's what I Bones said. station. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then you got the guy at the beginning uh, from Chappelle's show. I think Stevie said his name. Uh, Darnell Rawlings. Mm-hmm. That guy stole his pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rich, Bjorn. Rich, Bjorn. <laughs> um, then we get another cameo later that we'll talk about. But Joey Coco Diaz. Shout out to Joe Rogan. Suck a Spider Man, motherfucker, Joe, Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So who wants to kind of move us on from here? From the, we get to the opening of Peter, and then then where do we go from here? Do, don't we go from here to Peter's in college? I believe so. 
Yeah, yeah, I think because yeah, at the beginning or towards the end of the the first movie, they graduate, so they're all moving on. A young thirty-five year old. Yeah, a young thirty-five-year-old Chip McGuire struggling, but. <laughs> I feel like in this first 15 minutes, I mean, there's definitely other parts where it hits, but like, it's almost like this is pretty much the theme of the whole movie is can Peter coexist with Spider-Man in the same life? Because like Spider-Man, he's doing just fine. He's obviously fighting crime fine. You know, if he does get this shit kicked out of him, you know, he bounces back. He's nearly invincible. But in the Peter Parker life, he's failing everywhere. Like, he just lost his job. He has no money to pay his rent. You know, Dr. Connors, who he respects immensely as a professor, he has no time for his classes. And it's not just that, but, like, throughout the movie, Peter is constantly late and missing things for people he loves. And he's being, like, kind of shat on for it, too. Like, his professor calls him lazy to his face. And then, like, later when he goes to meet, like, Dr. Octavius for the first time, he's like, you're brilliant. But you're lazy. You know what I mean? And like, he's obviously the opposite of that. Like, basically, Peter Parker is really depressed and he needs someone to reach out <laughs> and try and get him some, some Adderall or something. He needs, an assistant. Yeah. He needs, he needs a personal assistant. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad you brought up Dr. Connors because if, if you guys aren't familiar with the not so well received Amazing Spider Man, uh, two films, Dr. Connors is actually the one from the first movie. He becomes the lizard slash the villain. So that was kind of cool. But, yeah, we kind of see Peter is 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 letting his, his like like you said, see his loved ones down. Like not he's not trying to, but just he just can't <laughs> seem to get ahead. Every, everything like his life is as Spider Man is making his life as Peter Parker worse. Which you know, as a kid, you think you get superpowers, you think that's just gonna make your life extremely better. But it's kind of a cool uh, parallel to see that it's it's the opposite. I think that's why uh, people love this character so much is because he is so relatable. Mm-hmm. Like you can try as hard as you want, but if things aren't going your way, they're not going your way. So it's just except even mm-hmm. if you're a superhero, things cannot go your mm-hmm. way. It's interesting. I have a question for Corey, actually. I, I don't normally ask Kylo questions, but you gave the first one a no and you said Tobey Maguire was a bad actor. I would argue <laughs> that Spider-Man 2 places more weight on toby Maguire's dramatic performance right like i'm just like i quickly just scrolled through it was like the first 30 minutes of this movie 99 percent of it is peter parker not spider-man this is a peter parker movie not a spider-man movie it's so like why sure. like d- d- is it toby Maguire doing the heavy lifting like how does that like write the ship for you in this one i think it's just a better story and speaking of actors and i don't mean to deviate too much but no. one of the most interesting facts for this movie and it's pretty well known is that Tobey Maguire was on the cusp of being replaced by Jake Gyllenhaal. Dude. Brett's boy. What? Friend of the pod. So, uh, Tobey got hurt while making Seabiscuit. He hurt his back. and Spoilers episode. Yes, that's right. Classic spoilers episode. And he was going to be replaced by Jake, but he ended up being well enough to perform. Could you imagine? Just think about (laughs) the movie we could have got with that. What? I think I got to give this movie a no because uh, we didn't get Jake. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we get to see uh, – we kind of dive into the other characters a little bit. Um, I think that's what one thing this movie does a lot better than the first one. It, you really dive deeper into the, the the main characters, not just Peter. You get more of MJ. You get more of, of Aunt May. You get more of Harry. And it, it, it all builds on their relationships from the first movie, you know, MJ – professed her love to to peter at the end of the first one but he turned her down that's kind of playing into this movie at the beginning um harry is resentful of spider-man because he thinks he killed his father which now he's starting to resent peter because peter takes pictures of spider-man she's waiting for you pal what do you mean the way she looks at you or doesn't look at you however you want to look at it i don't have time for girls right now why you dead i've been kind of busy Taking pictures of your friend. Could we get off that subject? I want us to be friends, Harry. I want us to trust each other. And be honest with me. If you knew who he was, would you tell me? Peter, don't you understand how I feel? I want this guy dead. The same way you want the guy who killed your Uncle Ben dead. 
it's just a lot of drama within the main core group of characters. So what do you guys think of like the expanding on, on these main characters? Do you think someone's justified in hating you for taking pictures of someone that they have issues with? Like he's just taking pictures of this guy. I mean, obviously he is Spider-Man and we know that. Well, well he kind of plays it up as like he's friends with Spider-Man or something. So like they'd know each other. I think it's a very telling line too when Harry says something to the effect of like, you don't return my calls anymore too. Like everyone on the periphery of Peter Parker must be like something weird is going on in his life. Like he's not talking to anybody. He's completely withdrawn. Like if I were Harry, I would assume that there'd be some kind of like quid pro quo or relationship going on with Spider-Man beyond just taking pictures. When he said that, I was like, Who's calling? <laughs> Nobody calls anymore. Hey, man, it's 2004? <laughs> yeah, I guess that makes sense. I was like, oh, man, just send a text. You had to pay the text, man. <laughs> but T9. Just send him a message on MySpace. He calls from a payphone in this movie, and they show an answering machine. Like Different times. Different, different times. times. <laughs> a rotary phone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not that different. <laughs> the only reason... MJ has any interest in Peter Parker is because she suspects he's Spider-Man, right? Like, what else could she possibly see in him? Lifelong friends. They lived next to each other for years. Oh, uh, I guess they weren't friends. All- yeah, I true. think well, honestly, it could be it could be a little bit of settling. You know, she might just be trying to settle. Just <laughs> trying to settle. I mean, she didn't really suspect till after the first misplay, right? I thought that there may have been something after the kiss in the first yeah, movie. Yeah, the kiss she, in the first movie. She, she's, she's an astronaut's wife now. What on earth does she have to do with this depressed loser who can't even go to class? Like, what? what is Peter Parker bringing to the table? I mean, it's, to- it's also a bad look on MJ because she's engaged going on dates and telling this other man that she loves him, like, openly for, like, the next two hours. She's, she's kind of the worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, she stands him up at his fucking wedding. I, you, I mean, the man is a werewolf in comic <laughs> in comic canon, so I, mean, I guess I understand to some degree. I kind of looked away at that part, and when I saw that she ran away, I was like, oh, uh, Peter showed up at the wedding and kind of like forced her to think about it. And then I looked again, and like, Peter wasn't there. She just ran off on her own. Yeah. We'll get to that stuff late, a little she bit is later. She's the worst. But, um, <laughs> not the graduate. It's runaway bride. She just ditches him. <laughs> <laughs> so we 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 move on a little bit. There's a scene kind of in, in that, like, there's a scene where where Harry, MJ, and Aunt May they all celebrate Peter's birthday, and that's when you find out Harry is kind of taking over Oscorp, and he is working on a new project with Dr. Octavius, who he's kind of funding his work. And you find out Peter's admires this guy and he's writing a paper about him. And you get this cool little, you, you can tell they're still friends. Cause like, Hey man, you want to meet him? And so you get this cool moment of, of Harry kind of setting up the villain and introducing the two to have a cool kind of like relationship. So, um, Corey, you want to kind of go into Doc Ock and, and Dr. Octavius? Yeah. So, like you mentioned, Octavius has an experiment that he's working on. It's being funded by Harry at Oscorp. He said he's trying to sustain fusion. Basically, though, he's just trying to create some renewable energy source. And he's been working on it for a long time. It's his life's work. Yeah. And he seems to be, like, pretty well-renowned. Like, Peter perks up when he hears the name. But, uh, yeah, he gets to meet Dr. Octavius, Peter. They have like a nice dinner and we get to see Octavius before things go south. So we get to see him as a person. He's very like scientific as a guy and him and Peter just click right away. I won't take much of your time. Parker, now I remember you. You're Connor's student. Tells me you're brilliant. He also tells me you're lazy. Trying to do better. Well, being brilliant is not enough, young man. You have to work hard. Intelligence is not a privilege. It's a gift. And you use it for the good of mankind. Otto, your lunch is ready. This is my wife, Rosie. Hello. This Hello. is Peter Parker, Connor's student, the one who falls asleep in class. I always fell asleep in physics class. Oh, and he's married to uh, the woman from Star Trek Insurrection, which <laughs> probably none of you have seen, so never nope. mind. 
Sorry, nerd. She's the (laughs) the bad guy from Tangled, right? What's her name? Mother Gothel? Stevie, weren't you saying that Joey Diaz says something about Alfred Molina? Like being... I forget. We were texting before this, but... Yeah, what podcast was uh, motherfuckers? Uh, Joey just on. Um, He was pretty much talking about how there's a lot of actors in Hollywood that the more famous you are... Like, the less prepared they truly are. And he's talking about, like, how brilliant of an actor Shia LaBeouf is because he's always prepared. He's always on time. He knows what he's doing. And then he got to talk about how he respected Alfred Alfred Molina the most because, like, Alfred Molina showed up at his apartment, like, on a random day wanting to go over lines. And it was just one line. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, ju- it was just one line and Alfred Molina wanted to get it right. So... Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Though. Alfred Molina was trying to score some coke from Joey Diaz. Let's call it <laughs> He's like, well, while I'm here, you might as well uh, yeah, yeah, see some lines. <laughs> yeah, you hold it. <laughs> but I'm glad you brought up uh, his name because Alfred Molina kills this role. And uh, I always like to point out that he was uh, the guy at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark with Indiana Jones because that's one of my favorite movies, too. In the way. Throw me the idol. No time to argue. Throw me the idol. I throw you the whip. Give me the whip. Adios, senor. But I'm glad you brought up that scene where they kind of have a nice dinner and and you see Peter perk up because, like, if you think about it, Dr. Octavius is kind of like what Peter wants wants to be. He's found out a way to, like, master his craft, his science, and also still get married to like the love of his life and have this cool life together. So it's like he sees that as like a goal. And and I read something or I heard a quote, it was kinda cool, it was like Doc Ock isn't a likable villain. Cause like when he turns into the villain he does some like horrific stuff. It's just the fact that you meet him before and he's completely different than Norman Osborne. He's not an asshole. He he, he is world renowned, but he's a nice guy and he's trying to help Peter and then you see him slowly fall into like control of the arms and stuff and i think that's what makes him such a compelling villain and then i'll, I'll bring that back towards the end because i got a couple cool points to bring up towards the, like the end fight but yeah what do you guys think of kind of like the the transition from octavius to doc ock uh, out of all the all of the uh spider-man like types of media we've gotten i think molina is like one of the best villains that has ever been portrayed because like Stevie said, he is such a professional actor and he brings like so much to the role. And I remember like watching this and thinking, wow, this is like the first one was like a good movie, but this one was like, wow, this is like insane how amazingly well acted and stuff uh, a comic book movie could be. And he really brings so much to like what is goofy and he's a giant metal octopus, but uh, he really like kind of seals the deal on like portraying this character. Yeah, the 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 whole like practical effects we kind of talked about that in the first episode too. That the Sam Raimi loves to do as much of practical effects and in camera effects as he can. And I was watching some behind the scenes today, and each each of the mechanical arms was practical, and they had one person controlling each arm. So that's how they got so much control over each of them and and they they all seemed like they had like their own mind which was kind of cool and and i gotta bring up the scene after this kind of skipping tiny bit ahead but like after the whole doc ock has this this presentation and experiment and for the investors and shit goes wrong his wife dies it's it's pretty sad and uh, that's what that scene before with the dinner was was helped with the impact of his wife dying. Um, then we move on to this scene in a hospital, in a surgery room. And I did not remember this scene being like so terrifying. This scene was so fucking cool. Like I'm getting chills talking about it. Like this is straight up Sam Raimi at his finest, like evil dead mm. to a T even they had the, the the shout out to the chainsaw, mm-hmm. the, like quick zooms on their face, um, and and we talked about the final fight in Spider Man One, how it was really impactful because they had no music. There was no music in this scene besides 
the mechanical sounds and screams and nails being dragged across the floor. It was fucking terrifying. Did you guys remember that being so brutal? Slash Pap, what did you think for your first time seeing a quote unquote kids movie? So yeah, like, I hadn't seen this before. Like I said, I'm just watching the and and you hit the nail on the head. It is so Evil Dead. It is so Sam Raimi. Like it it it, it couldn't. It, the only way it could be more Evil Dead is if like one of those arms like. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I want to say that, like, violated one of the people, like, like going up to them because... <laughs> they probably because did, it, after dragged the chicken yeah. in the dark. <laughs> it's straight up, like, yeah, like, the trees from Evil Dead, like, like a shot for shot. But, yeah, it got me really excited. And, and like, it, this whole movie feels more like a Sam Raimi movie. Like, like I think, like, you know, his brother is in there for a couple cameos. And, like, you yeah, see the Yeah, I was going to ask you guys, because, like, when he came in, I was, like, I'd seen this movie so many times, but, yeah, like, really watching, I was like, that dude looks like Sam Raimi. That dude talks like Sam Raimi. I was like, yeah, it has to be his brother. I think we talked about on Army of Darkness too. Like he puts that car in every movie, and I'm pretty sure it's the car that like Peter drives up to MJ show in. Like that's like Sam Raimi's famous car that he puts in every movie. But yeah, PK, that sequence was awesome, and the sound design was perfect. And it was like, yeah, that that's Sam Raimi directing the hell out of a superhero movie. I loved it. Hell yes. In that scene, Doc Ock's arms—they kill all the doctors, right? But mm-hmm. I thought it was a really nice touch that before that happens, there's like a little moment put in where, uh, like the lead doctor or surgeon says something like kind of smart assy, like making fun of Octavius or something like that to, to kind of make it a little bit okay that this happens. <laughs> Anybody here take shop class? <laughs> <laughs> and then you get that really cool shot. He looks up at, his, at the guy across the table and you see the arm in the reflection of his glasses. Do you know one of the doctors in that scene is, uh, John Landis? Is that his name, the director? Slash murderer? <laughs> Did not know that. <laughs> yeah, he, he's like, he's got a mask on, he's got scrubs on, you can't tell it's him, but John Landis is like one of the doctors you get a quick shot of in that wow. scene. Oh, man. That's weird. So, yeah, like this scene definitely sets up the villain, and, and like I kind of said earlier, he's not a likable villain. He's, he's a likable guy that becomes a villain and does like, he just like completely loses his regards for life. Like you could see that when the the train scene comes well, in. Well, because the chip on his neck exploded. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that thing was so exposed that. I yeah, mean, he- they should have put a little helmet on that thing, <laughs> a little uh, protective barrier or something. So after this happens, we get some uh, Doctor Octavius. He's starting to realize what happened with his wife, and his whole work is destroyed, and he's determined to to get it back no matter how any means necessary. And uh, he he ends up trying to rob a bank, which Aunt May and Peter are in. And uh, an old school Joel McHale, another cameo. Weird. <laughs> yeah, super weird. Uh, so then we get the first confrontation between Spider-Man and Doc Ock. And this is also where Spider-Man starts to... I don't know if it's where it starts, but he starts to really feel the effects of him kind of losing his powers. So, if, uh, Stevie, you kind of want to talk about that plot line and how Spider-Man's going through some 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 troubles? Yeah, so this scene between like the actual first fight between Spidey and Doc Ock is incredible. Especially like when he's like scaling the building with Aunt May and things like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's brutal and I think it's really ahead of its time. But, um, you hear him freaking walking up the building. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so cool. also moments where there's no music, too. Like, I think Sam Raimi's a genius when it comes to taking music out. And it's just silence and those two just fighting. Um, yeah, the one part where they're free-falling. Yeah. It cuts everything out, just like the punches and stuff. Yeah, and there's also a little bit of humor too with Aunt May holding on for dear life and dropping down six inches and being okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's this movie I think is really cool what it does with this storyline of kind of Peter not wanting it anymore. He's kind of starting to resent his powers and 
it really starts to take a toll on him. Like in the field, he's like not able to shoot webs. Um, his eyesight starts to go again. And it's really interesting where it's almost like Peter's trying to convince himself. Is it okay if I walk away from this? I have a question about that scene. So Aunt May is a total champ in that scene. Like she catches herself with an umbrella, almost like somebody had a baby stay out. Check out the <laughs> movie. You oh, have really long arms. But so Spider-Man, they, they, they save each other in a lot of ways. And she says something to the effect of, and maybe we can play the clip. You sure showed him. What do you mean we? Oh. What does that line mean? Like what she's like, what do you mean we? Is that her realizing because at some point she definitely realizes by the last speech she's put two and two together. But it's funny you ask that. I paused it after that was said, and I was trying to just a stew on it for a minute. So I think she says, uh, or he says, "We really showed him," and then she says, "What do you mean we?" And I think she's talking about she did the heavy lifting. She's like kind of making a joke because she uh, bashed him with the that umbrella. Too. Like either yeah, like one of them didn't do any work slash the other. But there is a scene later where she kind of like on the nose is like. It seems like she knows that he's Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like when she's getting evicted and she gives that speech. She's like, she's either giving like the most specific speech to Spider-Man or she's completely <laughs> exactly. lost her fucking mind. It's just <laughs> rambling about. <laughs> well, Tobey Maguire is like just short of screaming at me. Yeah. He's yelling his own in his own voice at but him. Also, all the he time. just straight up dipped out of the bank when everything yeah. happened. It's like, <laughs> so what a, a cow. Even, yeah, even a real hero. Kid, I was like, wow. <laughs> One of my favorite parts in the bank too, and it's probably my favorite piece of comedy in the whole movie, is when she's trying to open the account and she like can't get the <laughs> loan and she's like, well, at least we still get the toaster. And he's like, sorry, you have to put in a bigger deposit. And she looks at the ad in the paper and she's like, oh yeah, I see. Uh. Like her reaction is so funny. <laughs> This is an old lady that didn't read it. <laughs> so yeah, we get Aunt May as a damsel again, which which I, one thing I thought was kind of funny is like there's a whole crowd of people and he just shoots his arm out and somehow she's the one that gets grabbed. She would be dead on her. <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we get Aunt May safe and then we, we this is when Peter Parker is, is really starting to to give up and and he's kind of coming to a head of do I want to do this there's a really cool shot of he opens his closet and it's just a, the Spider-Man suit on a hanger and then a regular suit on a hanger and he just stands there and he looks at it and it's just like that's Spider-Man right there it's like do you do the right thing and and go be Spider-Man and save everybody or do you do what you want to do and and go see the girl that you love and her play and and all this stuff. And even when he tries, it, it doesn't work out for him. He's on the way to the play and, and he gets like almost hit with his, the scooter or something like that. And then he shows up and you get the, the classic second Bruce Campbell cameo in the series. And he kind of gives Spider-Man some business. And, and what do you guys think about that? Like how Sam Raimi puts his best friend in all of his movies. Well, first I think of that's all- so cool. First of all, I love it because I, I love Bruce Campbell. And, and we talked about it in the last time, like the, the theory that they were going with where he's going to have some sort of like larger role in the third one mm-hmm. would have been amazing. But I also want to point out too, like in both those scenes that you're talking about, I think it's the only time in the film where he doesn't use the Danny Elfman score and he goes to a contemporary pop song. Like there's one that plays like during that whole big long montage where he's getting ready to see MJ's play. And you can just tell it's just not going to go well. Like he's getting the flowers, <laughs> he's getting everything well. And then after he decides to not be Spider-Man anymore, it's raindrops keep falling on my head. And that's, that's a great use of that song too. Cause it's such a silly song. And like the way it ends too, like on oh, just that, the scene is so silly. It's, it's so it's, silly, but it's it ends a freeze, freeze frame. frame. <laughs> freeze frame is so ridiculous. And then, you know, you got the, the cops driving by and he's like, you think he's going to do something. Then he just takes the obnoxiously large bite out of the I hot dog. He's like, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> but then that's another thing too. Like, like Sam Raimi balances tones like crazy in this movie. Cause like literally, Right before that scene, you get this amazing scene with Peter sitting on his bed, like basically having an inner monologue going back to the last time he spoke to Uncle Ben before he got shot in the car. And you kind of get this, it's somewhat of a recreation of that scene, but 
you realize he's not actually talking to Uncle Ben. He's talking to himself and kind of like Uncle Ben, quote unquote, is saying, you know, like all these times I, I, you know, I put my faith in you that you do the right thing. He's like, he's like, I need you to do this. Like, take my hand. And that's when Peter's like, it's super sad. And he's, they're both crying. It's just like, he's like, no, like I'm Spider-Man no more. And you get a classic like comic recreation shot with the Spider-Man suit in the trash and he's walking through the alley. And then it goes right into that crazy, stupid, funny scene. It's like, it shouldn't work, but it does. <laughs> <laughs> like, the tone's all over the place, but it's great. I have a question for you guys, because I have never read any of these comics. Um, who's that uh, African-American guy that's always with Jonah? Robbie. Does he know that Peter's Spider-Man? I think he does. He has to know. Because he does that one shot. He looks. I think Spider-Man was there, and he just looks at him. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> like, does he know in the comics? I don't know if he knows in the books. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, in the movie, it, I feel like there's a few people that do know but don't say it. Yeah. Him being one of them, and Aunt May being the other main one. Aunt May has to know. Yeah, that... that thing that pat brought up about the eviction scene like yeah that's that's like spot on there's no way she does or she's just yeah <laughs> um but i'm glad you brought that guy up because now we got to talk about uh cory's favorite character the only bright <laughs> part of spider-man one J. jonah jameson <laughs> who is like 10 times funnier than he was in the first one somehow he's so good man like i said before like this is the absolute perfect comic book movie casting and then they they wrote it perfectly too so he's just non-stop like there's just chaos in his office it's like a new york newspaper office just like what you think he's like answering the phone hanging up on people telling people to get the fuck out of his office peter walks in he's like he's you're fired, fired. get out sit back down <laughs> <You're fired. laughs> boss your wife's in the line she said she lost a checkbook thanks for the good news mr jameson please isn't there any of these shots you can use i really need the money oh miss brant yes Give me a violin. Five minutes to deadline, Jonah. All right, run a picture of a rancid chicken. Here's a headline. Food poisoning scare sweeps city. Some food got poisoned? I'm a little nauseous, yeah. All right, Mr. Jameson. Sticks. Uh, I love him. Yeah, like you said, he is the perfect casting. And what, what's his name in real life? J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Yeah, J.K. Simmons. He's just... He doesn't seem like a person who has comedic timing, but those are often usually the funniest people when they are in like comedic roles. And when he's doing this, it's so funny. When Peter asked him for an advance on shooting the uh, the fancy gala or whatever, and he cracks his head back and just like cackles in <laughs> Peter's face, and that that's obviously become a meme. But goddamn, that is just so funny. <laughs> like the look that's on so his good. face and everything. And I do like how they kind of brought him in more into the story with. With his son being the one that Mary Jane is engaged to and the crazy stud astronaut. And this leads to, I think this is before that, that, that breakdown scene of, of him not wanting to be Spider-Man, but it, it, this is one of the greatest scenes in the movie too. It's, it's that, that gala or whatever that's honoring Jonas and Jonah, Jameson's son. You know, you get Peter trying to, to reconcile with MJ and she doesn't want any part of it. Then you get the conflict of him and Harry coming to the fruition and Harry's drunk as shit and slaps his best friend twice in front of <laughs> hundreds of people. Calls him a bitch. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then, most likely because of what him and MJ's conversation ended up as, she decides, I'm going to marry this dude. And he finds out right in front of him. And then, to top it all off, he gets yelled at by his boss to take a photo of it. It's just like, that's a shit day. <laughs> I don't blame him. <laughs> Those are pretty funny, like, freeze frame when Harry slaps Peter. Like, Harry's face for a split moment looks so fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love James Franco, and I think he's a decent actor, but he was not good in, in these movies. Oh, it gets worse. Oh, uh, we'll talk about it next week or whenever this next episode is. I mean, he wasn't even considered a good actor until 127 hours. Exactly. And the, and the scene, this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit, the scene, because Harry uh, makes a deal with Doc Ock, says, you know, uh, 
if you find me Spider-Man, I'll give you all the tritium you need to do whatever you want to do. And so this leads us to one of the greatest action scenes of all time. Not just uh, in a comic book movie, but it probably is the best action scene in a comic book movie. Um, we get an amazing fight on a train with Doc Ock. Who wants to talk about this? Who wants to start talking about it? I'll talk about it for days. Is this where they start off? I mean, it really starts with MJ and Pete in the, in the cafe. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up because it, it, there's a lot of build up to the scene that kind of gets put to the wayside just because everybody thinks about the train. But yeah. So they're starting in, in the cafe where MJ one last time is like, I love you. Do you love me? And it takes every ounce of Peter to say no. Because at this point, he decided to come back and to actually be Spider-Man. I'm I, back! I, <laughs> I think the thing that set him off was um, the building that was on fire, right? Because yeah. he yep. went yep. in there as Peter Parker. call back to the first movie. Yeah, well, he's going after that, like, screaming girl, and he gets there, and it turns out to be Willem Dafoe disguised as a girl. <laughs> you got speed, Spider-Man. <laughs> and see, that's that's kind of why I, I mentioned earlier, this is a Peter Parker movie, not a Spider-Man movie, because, like, you know, he's realizing that even without the suit, he still wants to save people, and he wants to do the right thing, and and uh, it's kind of him growing into the the hero role, no matter what. Either it's Peter Parker or Spider-Man. But going back to that cafe scene, I don't know yeah. what Doc Ock's plan was when he threw that car through the window. Kill like, was everyone. he kill everyone? If he dies, to he kill dies. his only leverage over well, Jim Franklin. Like, if he doesn't know he's Peter Parker or if he's Spider-Man, like he throws him against the wall like as hard as he could. Like, like you said with Aunt May, like, he would have been dead if he wasn't Spider-Man. Yeah, <laughs> he. I think he must know and knows that like Spider-Man hasn't been around for a while. Or something, and is like trying to coax him back out to be Spider-Man or, again, or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we get this like <laughs> incredible sequence where he takes MJ and then Harry or Harry Peter busts out of the rubble on the ground, like extremely angry, and it's fu- it's kind of funny. It reminds me of like fucking Super Saiyan on Dragon Ball Z <laughs> or something. <laughs> and then you get a, a this is where I love Sam Raimi because it's like. It's so cheesy, but it's so good. Like you see, he's he's starting to get his blurred vision back with his go- or with his glasses, and he throws him down. The lit the lens frame comes out, or the lens comes out, and then you get that close up of his fist tightening, and it's just like it's so cheesy, but it's so good. And then you get this epic montage of him swinging through the buildings and like amazing two thousand four CGI, <laughs> and then we get to he meets Doc Ock up on the clock tower. Kind of it looks. It might be the same building as he climbed up with Aunt May, but looks similar. So they they fight from there onto a train, and then uh, Pappy, what was your take on this? Uh, your first time viewing of this scene? Uh, well, I know who the Christ-like character is. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not much doubt there. I mean, is that Corey PK? You guys are more familiar with the comics. Is that because I think there's also something in Homecoming or? Far from home, it's similar. Like, is there a lot of like crucifixion imagery associated with Spider Man? <laughs> ah, I don't know. He's <laughs> like, you know, what I'm talking about. He's like, sp- like spread out. Like, oh yeah, looks like he's literally on the cross. Not that I recall. That's like a Superman thing. But then, yeah, mm-hmm. we get the, the Joey Diaz cameo, and, and who knows how <laughs> many people Spider Man killed when he was shooting those webs on the side of the buildings to stop the train. But but I, I, I'm with you, PK. That is a fantastic like superhero sequence it's just it's so spider-man like them just on the train going through manhattan uh him like getting flipped off the the train like like skidding across the ground like with his webs flying back up uh he's throwing people off he's catching them in webs the old man giving him shit oh that old guy (laughs) was to troll (laughs) that's the worst smart ideas uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> but um, then, yeah, that leads to such a cool scene with, I mean, I know, Corey, you, you weren't a fan of the uh, uh, the New Yorkers on the bridge in the first one. <laughs> you messed with all of us, you messed with all of us. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think it was way more well done in this one where, you know, the fact that Peter, like, 
if if he wouldn't have done what he did, everybody, all the, those people would have died. So the the stakes are extremely high. Um, he puts his like everything he has, and he, he just passes out. And I, I love that shot of the close up of his chest when he's about to fall, and you just see their all their hands grab him, and you know they pull him back in. He loses or he lost his mask, and that that line where he wakes up and the kid, the guy's just like, yeah, he's, he's just a kid. <laughs> yeah, he's just a kid. No older than my father. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a really old kid i love the uh two white trash kids that are like hey mister we won't tell nobody <laughs> those are uh toby mcguire's half brothers wait really yeah also he flipped that mask off when he was on top of the train moving at who knows how fast there's no way those kids found that so when they're passing spider-man's body over and if, if you watch closely it's surprising how many of the people on the train are, are one, wearing, you know, New York stuff, which makes sense, but two, are wearing just straight up like American flag apparel. And, and I think that like you can't separate this from being like, I know I talked about it in the last episode, no anything to say about it, but like you can't separate this from being like right after 9-11 in yep. New York, you know what I mean? And I think that like, I don't know. Like, to me, I'm so cynical and jaded. Like, when I see, like, them passing Spider-Man's body, I kind of roll my eyes. But I wonder if it would have played a little bit differently in a post-9-11 New York setting. I, I definitely feel like it would have. I mean, it's a snapshot in history for sure. Didn't they have to change something? Was it in the first movie or was it in this movie where they had to, like, change an ad campaign? Yeah, it was the first feature? movie and pretty much uh, these guys hijacked a helicopter and Spider-Man uh, webbed uh, the helicopter in between the uh, Twin Towers. Yeah. If you watch it on YouTube, it's very, very late 90s, early 2000s feel to it. It looks like an old school Mountain Dew commercial. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's, so That's the best way I can describe it. <laughs> so after uh, they unmask, or everybody finds out. PK, Peter I don't Parker's mean to interrupt you. 80-year-old kid. Can I throw one thing in there? Yeah, yeah. I know this amounts to nothing, but I don't know why I think this part is so amazing in the movie. But when Doc Ock throws down one of the clock arms at Peter, and Peter yes. webs oh. it at the bottom of the building and hurls it back up at him, I think is one of the coolest yeah. things in any well, Spider-Man movie they've ever done. It mm-hmm. looks like, I mean, it doesn't look realistic, but it, it does, because like... It's not like he just grabs it and throws it back. It's like when he grabs it, it pulls him down the, the fucking building. And it, he uses, like, all the physics and uses his force to fucking slingshot it back. Yeah, that was so I think that cool. is one of the coolest things I've ever done in these movies. And honestly, I think <laughs> I think this is, like, the best fighting of any Spider-Man movie, too, with Doc Ock. It's very, very brutal. Oh, absolutely. And that's one thing. Another I've, point on oh, the fight oh. with Doc Ock real quick. Sorry, PK. No, you're good. Is that... So, Doc Ock has these metallic arms, which make him pretty imposing. Like, it doesn't sound like that would make you that much of a badass, but they showcase it really well. Like, Mm -hmm. he is a force to be reckoned with with these arms. Like, no one can fuck with him. The thing is, though, Spider-Man punches him straight in the face a few times. (laughs) And I feel like he would take his fucking head off. His head would pop like a grape. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I mean, if Spider-Man really is as strong as they say, and, and he's only got metal arms, yeah, he would have been fucked up. Or at least his glasses would have broke. Gotta get one good hit real close, you know? That brings me back to one real quick point. Uh, like, that scene from the cafe to the epic swinging scene, right before he meets up with Doc Ock, uh, they have the coolest transition. It goes from him doing this epic swing to, like, it zooms out like the New York street where you see him swinging from far away and then it turns into like a reflection from his sunglasses. That was so cool. So after we get, uh, he's just a kid and, uh, you must want to mess with all of this. Forget about it. <laughs> Forget about it. I'm walking <laughs> in. Yeah. Classic New York phrase. Uh, see, we get, uh, MJ is at Doc Ock's like lair. Or his abandoned fucking warehouse or whatever. I don't know. What his docks. So he's at the docks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Peter gets there and decides to save the day. Which this is kind of what I was going to bring back earlier because the the final fight is truly the train scene. The the 
confrontation at the very end isn't really much of a fight, but I love how uh, I, I want to get you guys to take on this, but like I love how Peter slash Spider Man essentially he didn't save the city in this movie. He like Doc Ock actually saved the city. You know, he 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 finally like he beats him up and then he he doesn't do the classic beat up, you know. Because he ends up revealing himself to Dr. Octopus and kind of using Doc Ock's wisdom slash some of Aunt May's wisdom that he got in the movie to kind of bring Doc Ock back to where he was and kind of, he gave, he used his own words against him. He's like, you know, I can't remember the exact quote, but he's like, you know, you told me to use your knowledge for, to help mankind or something like that. And then he also quotes Aunt May about like, you know what, sometimes to be a hero, you gotta give up what you really want and your dreams. And he literally quotes both of them, like, word for word. And I think that's so Spider-Man to see him be empathetic towards his main villain and, and know that there's a real person under there. And, and he brings it back and convinces him to basically stop what he was doing. And he ends up sinking his thing and saving the city himself instead of spider-man so what do you guys think about that there's so many superhero movies and just kind of action movies in general that fall into the trap of like some amount of strength versus some amount of strength and for some reason the good guy is just slightly more clever or slightly more strong or, or uses some callback uh so that's set up earlier in the movie and, and pays it off but like like you said pk this is a peter parker movie and he's masked off at this point too and it's so satisfying that it <laughs> delivers with a peter parker like conclusion it's really well done mm-hmm. and then you finally get the earned uh uh mj she finally finds out and it's just it's literally like that's how you feel you're like oh, finally and uh because now it's like he doesn't have to fucking explain himself anymore it's like she it's like she sees him and immediately it's like, boom. It's like, I get it. I understand this dude now. Like, I, it, it all makes sense. And then we get a cool little moment between them where, <laughs> or we get the funniest Toby Maguire face of all time <laughs> when, when she's standing there and the thing's about to close. <laughs> he's got a couple of classic he's... meme faces in this movie. Yeah. And then, you know, the classic Peter Parker, he's holding the really heavy thing. He's just like, uh, this is really heavy. So, (laughs) but then, yeah, you guys kind of talked about how it, how it wraps up after that. Like, so who's, who wants to talk about the, the nice guy that got left at the altar? He's a werewolf? Yeah, he's a werewolf, man. How? (laughs) So they could have used this guy more. (laughs) <laughs> go in depth, Kylo. Yeah, from Explain space. This to me. So he's an astronaut. So he brings the Venom symbiote back to Earth, uh, canonically, I believe, or at least one of his missions or one of his partners. But they don't do that in the next movie. So that's kind of where I thought this was going. Because being a, a Venom fan as a kid, especially when this came out, I was like, okay, they're going to do Venom in three for sure. And this is their way into it. This guy's an astronaut. He's going to bring it back from space. But, I mean, I don't mean to complain about 3 too much. I hate that movie. It just oh, falls out of the sky. We have plenty of time to do that. <laughs> werewolf. Why is he a werewolf? Weird shit happens in space <laughs> when it comes to comics. <laughs> okay, I just had to get that out of there. That's all you need to say. Weird shit happens in space. And no one ever dies. <laughs> My wife kind of pointed this out at the end when she kind of runs away from the altar and is running through the city about how it kind of looked different. It looked like really bright, um, almost animated. And I I think that's why I love these movies so much. Because I think there's a difference between a comic book movie and putting comic book characters in movies. Which I think started shortly after Nolan did Batman Begins. I think if you go through a lot of this movie and break down shots and have them animated, it could easily be put like flawlessly into a comic book or a graphic novel. Like, especially that scene where Rosie mm-hmm. dies and it shows her reflection on the shards of glass screaming. Oh, yeah. Like, it's so fantastic. Good. And I think this ending kind of is like the cherry on top of it of like, you could animate every scene with MJ running through the city and it would be flawless in a comic book or a graphic novel. But when she arrives at Peter's um, apartment, 
she pretty much tells him like you know you don't have to protect me let me decide for myself you know if i want to be with you or not and then she says one of the best lines in the movie (laughs) isn't it time somebody saved your life (laughs) you shouldn't be here i know you think we can't be together but can't you respect me enough to let me make my own decision I know there will be risks, but I want to face them with you. It's wrong that we should only be half alive, half of ourselves. I love you. So here I am, standing in your doorway. I've always been standing in your doorway. about time somebody saved your life ah so good i thought you were gonna say go get him tiger go get him tiger well i mean i didn't want to say it because i I get too excited (laughs) (laughs) but um before that we kind of get the the like kind of he says to her one more time you know he he's fully come back to being spider-man and they're like laying on the web and he's like I will always be Spider-Man. We can never be. And it's pretty sad. And, and it's just like, that's why I love Spider-Man. You know, he, he goes through this shit, but he chooses to be Spider-Man still after knowing or in his mind, knowing he can't have a life with the woman he loves, knowing that his best friend is going to hate his guts after finding out he is Spider-Man, which we kind of skipped over, but that's just shitty acting. We're going to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> He's still learning. And just like, just the, the fact that Peter Parker is such a good dude and, and gets shit on all the time and just wants to help people is, is like you said, Mikey, I think that's why people gravitate towards this character so much because they can relate to him. It's well said. And the ending is so great too because I, th- I feel like you know, MJ is like, you know, let me in, let me, let me help you. And that's a mistake that so many people make in real life. You know what I mean? They just try and take on too much by themselves. They just shoulder too much of a burden. And MJ is like, no, I can take this on with you. I can be there for you. And like that, the very last shot where like, she's like, yeah, go get him, tiger. And he swings away. Like as cheesy as that line is, I mean, it's just that's like classic Spider-Man. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's like, you, you don't have to do this alone. And it's, it's, it's a, like, you know, he's wanted that for so long. And it's just like, yes. It's like a quote unquote <laughs> lesson that extends beyond superhero movies. It's better than great power. With great power comes great responsibility. Cause most people won't have great power, but it's like, you don't have to shoulder all of your problems alone. That's a great lesson. And I, I love this movie for it. It's too bad she doesn't follow through with that, huh? In the next movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she becomes such like a, like I said, we're going to have some fun next week <laughs> or whenever we record but um I've had a lot of fun talking about this movie uh so let's let's uh get some final thoughts and a yes or no let's start with uh start with Corey let's let's see what we got here I don't want to save it for last well real quick before I say yes or no um at the somewhere at the very end I don't think it's the last scene but it's in there um Harry finds the green oh, goblin yes, gear thank you so what's interesting about that is we see Willem Dafoe and just before this podcast, I read an IMDb fact that said Willem Dafoe was not supposed to have a cameo. He saw them filming and like went to go check it out (laughs) and they filmed the scene with him. So this is just an IMDb trivia. I don't know the legitimacy of it, but I hope that's true. I'm just going to say it's true. (laughs) Anyway, I'm going to give this a yes. This is a really good superhero movie. It's one of the better Spider-Man movies. Uh, the key way to know if it's a good Spider-Man movie versus a bad one is, does it end with a funeral? And this one does not. <laughs> so that's how you know it's good. <laughs> now, there's a lot to like about this movie. The visual effects are awesome. They won uh, an Oscar for the visual effects that year. Um, it's just a good story. Like the Having him established as Spider-Man gives you a lot of room to tell about, okay, so what's it like being Spider-Man? What's, you know, what is his dilemma? And we really get to see that unfold, and I think they it's played beautifully. It's a yes. Fuck yeah. Stevie. 
I will give this the hardest of yeses. I absolutely love this movie. This is probably in my top five uh, superhero movies of all time. I think it's just a flawless movie. And I'm just so happy you covered it, PK. I think me and Mikey have been telling Pat for years, like, you have to watch Spider-Man 2. Like, just watch Spider-Man Heck 2. Yes. It's the ultimate Spider-Man movie. And it's the best Spider-Man movie. Um, yeah, I absolutely love this movie and am terrified to watch the next one. Uh, you gotta just embrace it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pappy. Yeah. Actually, no, no, no. Ah. We'll save you for last since you hadn't seen it yet. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Money Mikey. Yeah, I love everything about this movie. I think the fighting is great, too. Um, even for how old this movie and like how CGI wasn't nearly as good as it is now, I still think the fighting is top tier uh, for a superhero movie in this. Uh, I say the one thing I dislike in this movie or this entire series of Spider-Man Raimi movies is Mary Jane. Kirsten Dunst is so lame <laughs> in this entire trilogy. I hate her so much. I wish they would have cast literally anyone else and this would be literally. such a better trilogy. Yes. But yeah, it's the hard. It's the hardest yes for uh, the Raimi trilogy. This is the best one by far. Boom. Can we make it preserved? Yes. I think it already is because you will. know I'm going to say Yeah, this, this, is, this <laughs> is definitely a hard yes for me. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't think there's as big of a gap of quality between one and two as, as some people, not even people on this podcast, but like people on Letterboxd in general, like people give two five stars and one like three stars. I think they're more in the same ballpark, but this is like a much... Or, 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 or a slight upgrade uh, from one, but but I think you said it last week, Corey. Is that like it's fun to see Spider-Man being Spider-Man, and it's just so tired to see like superheroes being bogged down in origin stories. So I love seeing Spider-Man being Spider-Man. I love seeing a, the Peter Parker story. I love the ultimate messaging. I still don't love Tobey Maguire. I still don't love Kirsten Dunst. Uh, I we didn't talk about this, but the scene. Where the Russian girl next door delivers cake and Spider-Man just eats the cake. I don't understand what the fuck that's supposed to be, but I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's so many little moments from this movie that I love. It feels like Sam Raimi had more creative control, like we said, than the whole like operating room sequence. That's definitely such a Sam Raimi sequence. And yeah, I love Sam Raimi. I love Spider-Man. This feels like the perfect marriage, the perfect sandwich of those two things. So hard yes for me. Sweet. You already know for me. Uh, 100% yes. Uh, I can talk about this character, these movies for a while. I love it. I, uh, I grew up with it. You know, I was, I think I was 10 years old when the first one came out. Um, so that, kind of going back to my first question, like some of my earlier experiences with Spider-Man is like, I read some comics when I was little. I, I watched some of the animated show, but this movie really is what like kind of set it apart for me, you know, like seeing it in live action and, and, after some shit uh superhero films is just and also it's like um the reading up on it is like this is one of the first superhero films where people came out of it not just saying that was a great superhero movie it's like people were like that was a great movie in general so i think that's a big praise in itself um yeah i think sam raimi killed it uh you could tell he had a lot more fun with this one and i also heard that he literally didn't take a day off from after he finished spider-man one he went directly into production for this one which is pretty cool brutal um <laughs> yeah seriously yeah but uh yeah i i just I'm, I'm blanking but this movie's fucking awesome i uh i'm glad you brought up the russian neighbor because <laughs> the actual neighbor who's trying to get the rent he was a fucking asshole but he's still funny yeah. <laughs> he brings up that $20 base oh I got he just snacks it out of his hand I have a Stevie question oh yeah alright so Pappy talked about like what's the point of the Russian neighbor there's another thing that I've always wondered about it even bothered me before watching what's the point of the poetry angle I like, don't what? know <laughs> it's just cause uh uh that's what uh, Dr. Octavius told him. He's like, he told him that that's kind of how he got his wife and that girls dig poetry. And I think that's just like, kind of like going back to what I was saying earlier. It's like his idol and he sees 
Doc Ock is somebody he wants to be, and I think that's just he's just like, oh, it worked for him, so it's got to work for all, me. That's all fine and dandy, though, <laughs> if that part of the story ends up falling on itself. Yeah, like, true. That's fine and dandy if like he says something poetic, like while he's with her in the web after they save the city. Oh, and see, that's why I love it because I'm glad he just like, well, I've been reading poetry. She's like, what? Like, she what? literally what tells him to fuck off. Um, <laughs> She's like, are you having a stroke? Yeah, poetry, Peter. <laughs> stop it. This is 2004. But um, yeah, it's that's fine if it falls on itself. But it never, ever. They never come back to that. So it really sticks like a sore thumb. I'm happy uh, Kylo said something because it makes no sense. Like Doc Ock just knows what to say to get laid. He's like, I know the theory of relativity, but T.S. Eliot, over my head. What are these words? <laughs> You're so smart. Flowers. Rhymes? <laughs> How could you not fall for Toby Maguire flatly reciting T.S. Eliot back to you in a monotone voice? Day by I mean, day, he gazed upon her. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not the love about that. There's a lot to love about this movie, uh, but not so much about the next one, but uh, we're going to find out in the next episode, so thanks for joining us for part two of the Holy Trilogy, Corey, Uh, (laughs) and uh, I can't wait to talk about the next one. I I really can't. It's going to be fun. Big Dumb Movie, episode uh, zero. Check it out. (laughs) There you go. Oh, also... Actually, no, I'll talk about it to you later, Pappy. I don't know if you want me to plug something or not. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you for part three, Rami Spider-Man. Take it away, Spider-Man. Spoiler-Man here. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Pizza time.